Welcome to the Gold Standard here on the 440 Sports Network. My name is Braden Gall, and you can follow me on Twitter at Braden Gall. My name is Michael Gallagher. I'm the sports reporter for the Nashville Post and the Nashville Scene, and you can follow me on Twitter at MGSports underscore. There you have it. Make sure you check out all the other great shows from both 440 Sports and the Nashville Scene. You've got, of course, It's All Your Fault every single Monday coming out uh, covering the Nashville Predators, which you folks listening to this podcast care deeply about. And, of course, Mike, you you launched uh, First and Ten covering the Tennessee Titans uh, every single Friday. That's going to be coming out, so make sure you check that out from the Nashville Scene. We've also got all the great shows from 440 Sports, Club and Country, Lamestream Sports, Fringe Element covering the SEC, Club and Country covers Nashville SC. Lamestream is just sort of a fun media podcast that we like to 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 gossip about media in town um and, and of course we've got uh, a football show football and other f-words lots of great stuff so go check out all those podcasts covering all the things that you nashville sports fans care about uh all right today on the show we're going to try not to make this a like a hot take radio summer topic but <laughs> it's the middle of the dead season of of hockey with literally nothing going on that i i cannot remember a quieter period of time in national predators hockey in the last like six years since I started covering the team, honestly. And so we were, we were talking about like, all right, what we uh, let's be creative. Let's be fun, but let's not do it like in a hot take style. So we're going to talk about the greatest predators of all time, but we're going to do it with some, hopefully some creative caveats here, which is going to be, we are going to put together the greatest predator starting lineup that we can come up with. Now, before we do that, and also we're just going to give you our favorite starting lineup. Like, there's no rhyme or reason. If you think Jordan Tutu is one of your favorite players of all time, you can put him in there into your starting lineup. I will not be doing that. But if you do and you're a fan and you want to put together your favorite starting five, please submit them to us at 440 Sports, at Braden Gall, at MG Sports underscore. Like, just send us your favorite starting five lineup full stop. It doesn't have to be any explanation. You don't have to tell us why you have so-and-so ahead of so-and-so. Just give us your favorite starting five. There's no discussion about the goaltender, so I don't want. I don't, I'm not going to take those tweets. If you if you've got Chris Mason in your starting line, no, love you, Chris, love you, C Mason or Mike Dunham or Mike or Mike Dunham. Um, I do I do believe I've got a Thomas Vokum bobblehead back here somewhere, so we'll we'll get to that. Uh, but I so that's that'll be at the end. We'll kind of wrap up with that kind of stuff. But we also have to define what greatest means because most talented is different than most productive, which is different than greatest. And so we're going to do all of that today on the show. However, before we do all of that, Michael. The gold standard is brought to you by the great people at Jaspers. Oh, we got a whole sentence out of you. Did I, I appreciate I that? It up this time instead of just going with the one-liner. And and, and uh, dare I ask? <laughs> dare I ask? Our title sponsor, are the wonderful and amazing folks, the next evolution of the sports bar that has a drink named after this podcast, of which you are a host. A great place to watch games, the game room, the the parking, and the menu, and the all the wonderful and amazing reasons why any human being in Nashville would want to go visit Jasper's on West End. Have you yet done that? So I have not. Oh. Cue, the, cue, the, cue the music. Yes, I know. But my birthday is this weekend. It's all your fault. It's all your fault. So that is the perfect time to to maybe drag the wife over to Jasper's and try some of this great menu. I really like the menu you laid out for me last week. So we, we might go with something along those lines. Uh, you said your birthday is this week? It is. It's on Friday. Happy birthday. Thank you. Everybody wish Michael Gallagher happy birthday, everybody. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm officially mid-30s now. <laughs> what, so what... Okay, mid-30s mid, mid is what? 30, 34? 
Yes. I think mid-30s is 34 to 36. That's fair. Here's a more important question. Happy birthday, by the way. What is middle-aged? Because the average male life expectancy in these in this country is about 72. And so if you're technically going to be middle-aged, isn't that right about 36? Or or is middle-aged, like, do you need to be in your 40s to be middle-aged? What is middle-aged? I mean, if you're going by the, the average life expectancy being 72, uh, you would have to assume middle age is somewhere in 37, somewhere in there. I, When I think of middle age, I think of 55 to 60. So I, <laughs> I, I tend to give a little bit more slack on that. So, <laughs> Well, if you're going with a hockey game, like first period, second period, third period, and it's 72, well, I'm, not, I'm doing bad math here off the top of my head, but middle-aged would in theory be like 28 to like 40, right? Yeah. Or some, somewhere in there, give or take, or I guess maybe tw- 28 to 48 maybe would be, you, you know, your middle age. But 28 is not middle age. Like there's no way. That's still very much the first period of the game. I, I think like. it was a sobering reality when I looked at the Predators roster this morning and realized that I am older than all but like four of them. <laughs> Who who are the four? Uh, Borvietsky, uh, um, Ekholm. No, Ekholm's not there yet. Who who are the four, who are the four on the roster? Let me pull it up real quick. You want to vamp real fast? Yeah. Um, I, I think I think thirty five to fifty is middle aged. Maybe thirty five fifty five. Thirty five to fifty five is middle aged. First thirty five years, that's early age, and then after fifty five is just house money at that point, right? I mean. Ideally, yeah. we ideally we all, we all get to seventy two, but that's not how the the world works. So, all right, who's older than you on the Preds? Because I'm older than all of them. Um, where is it? Actually, Borvies. I thought I was older than Borvies or younger than Borvieski. I'm older than he than he is. Oh, okay. There's there can't be that. There can't be four guys. Actually, I'm running through the roster I in was, my head. Like, I was I was wrong. I'm older than everybody on the Preds' roster <laughs> on their website. I was thinking McDonough and Borvietsky were were the two for sure, but I have them beat by a year. Oh no, you are by far the oldest Nashville Predator, Michael Gallagher. Yes. <laughs> that is tremendous. That is true. Um, which might still be younger than how old Peter Forsberg was when he played for the Nashville Predators. Um, all right, <laughs> <For> so seventeen games. <laughs> so go to Jasper's, everybody. Uh, hopefully, Michael celebrates his birthday. Wish him happy birthday, by the way, on the Twitters as well. And of course, we're also brought to you by Weiss Liquors. Uber Eats, search Weiss Liquors, and the booze will come right to your house. Let them do the driving so you can do the drinking. Again, Uber Eats, Weiss Liquors, right to your house. Uh, locally owned by local folks. It has been oper- owned and operated by the Weiss family since 1932. That's almost 100 years in Nashville of providing people with booze <laughs> in this town. And if you go in there, of course, it's right there on, on Gallatin Main Street, right there by, by the Titan Stadium downtown. If you pop in. Uh, tell them 440 at the counter and you'll get 10% off. So that's 10% free booze uh, right there. Uh, tax-free booze if you go into Weiss Liquors. So special thanks to Jaspers and to Weiss Liquors for providing us this amazing content. Okay, which is about to begin right now with the discussion on how you define greatness. Like, I, I don't want to get into like a, a GOAT debate, Jordan LeBron kind of nonsense. That's not what I want to do. But I want to truly have a conversation about how to define this because... I sort of put it into like three buckets here, Michael. And you tell me if I'm missing one, if you agree, disagree. It is about pure God-given athletic talent. Who is just purely more talented at the game of hockey than anybody else? Who who has been the most productive? Who who delivered the most production in their time as a National Predators player? And when you package time, production, and talent, 
and then there's also like sort of this weird nebulous of like likability, right? Where you just like Mike Ribeiro doesn't belong in this conversation, but I was going to get his name onto this podcast because I don't like the guy. So for a number of reasons, good passer, I guess, by, by the way, but you put all those things together. And I feel like that is how I would define greatest. And of course that has for this organization that has a lot of implications when you start talking about a lot of different names that who only played here for one year, two years, 17 games or four years. Yeah. No, I, I agree with all that. Like there's, like and, and there's the the great debate if if Rattle, Alex Radulov had played his entire year entire career with the Predators like he probably would have been we'd be talking about him as one of the all time greats. I mean you look at PK Subban who was only here for two years. There's there's a lot of players that were here for very little time and it sucks because they they would definitely factor into the all time greats. But I do think longevity and and a number the number of years that they spent here definitely plays a factor into that. And then you look at overall talent and ability like. Colin Wilson, based off of talent alone, he would be considered an all-time great, but he never reached his potential. Therefore, that I wouldn't really consider him in this discussion. Uh, like Ryan Johansson is going to be a part of that conversation, but he actually he's actually been a part of some success, been a part of uh, enough teams, and of course has produced. And and again, like that winning side of things, that sort of beloved nature, that relationship with the fans, the time that you played. All of that stuff kind of is like this weird nebulous stuff that factors in. Like again, Mike Fisher's another one where Mike Mike Fisher played eight seasons. He's sort of he's not really top ten in anything. He's like top fifteen in like everything. He's a yeah. captain, but he's also so beloved by the fans. Does that should that factor in when you start talking about greatest of all time or you know the the best starting lineup in Predators history. Like, where does sort of those nebulous factors? How, how much weight are you putting on that before we get to our rosters here? Yeah, I think you definitely have to consider it. I mean, Fisher probably has more spent more years with this team than any of the other centers that that you can probably name off the top of your head. Um, so I definitely think it, it plays a part in it too. And like, I, I have Mike Fisher, and I, I I took this a little bit further, and I did my my top four lines, three three defensive pairings, and two goalies and stuff, and I have Fisher in there, and I struggled with whether I should put him, you know, second or third because I'm like he's synonymous with the Predators, but also like he was never going to be their their leader in points or goals or anything like that. He was just kind of he was there. I wouldn't call him average. I think he's he was an above average player, but it, you definitely have to consider stuff like that. He's way better than David Legwan. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> way way better than David Leguan, and David Leguan, from a production standpoint, has every single record. Yeah. Um. So let me ask you this about about Leguan before we get to the most talented players who've played for this team. Uh, here's my I've said this all along, and I don't mean this to be um, insulting in any way or disrespectful. Uh, this is a true story, by the way. David Leguan bought my uh, high school parents like when I where I lived in high school. David Leguan bought that house with a check. When he was like 25 years old, my dad worked 40 years to buy that house. And David Legwan, when he was like 24, bought my parents' house, like in 2000 and like, like three. That's a true story. Um, and then he did some like renovations and my dad was like, come on, Legwan. Um, but I, I, he is obviously a high quality individual, right? Like n- nothing, there's no like, there's no like Mike Ribeiro stuff going on with him. Like he's a good dude. So Here's my here's my stance on Legwan, and I want to know which 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 side of this equation do you fall on? Is he the best worst player in franchise history, or is he the worst best player in franchise history? Oh gosh, can I say both? <laughs> I mean, it almost feels fitting to to say both for him. I mean, 
you're right. He has all the records in franchise history, but also like he just outlasted everyone else in franchise history. So I think it's, it's kind of like, uh, I'm terrible with basketball. Who was it? Larry Brown was the all time winning as head coach or something, but he was also the all time losing as head coach. Like, yeah, yeah. I feel like that kind of sums up David Leguan. David Leguan had maybe two, possibly three years where you're like, okay, this is a really good top six forward, but he was never going to be more than really good. And it is, that's just kind of the byproduct of the draft that he came out with. He was a number two overall pick, but that wasn't a very, you know, at the time that wasn't a very, you know, loaded draft. And I think it, it just kind of sucks for the Predators that was the first pick in franchise history because they like David Legwan, really, that was the first ever pick well, in franchise history. They could have done better. But that goes to the conversation. Like, so it, this is not fair to David Legwan because I, the first thing I think of when I think of David Legwan is, damn it, I wish I got Vin- Vincent LeCavalier. Like that's the first thing I, that, you know what I mean? Because they flipped the coin, right, or whatever yeah. the, the the situation was. And Tampa got Vinny Cavalier. They win a cup with him, and but but also to be fair to Leguan, he does go on to set every single record, right? Like it, it's not like he was like a total bu- like how many number two overall picks are total busts all the time? Yeah, he wasn't a total bust, but he wasn't the superstar you would like to see out of the, your number two overall pick. Yeah, I I, I tend to agree with that. So I just that's the way I've always described David like one is he's the he's the worst best player in franchise history or or he's the best worst player in franchise history. But also I, think the it, thing too, I think it might be the latter actually. The thing too if you you say okay you throw out David Legwan then you're like name me two centers in franchise history that are better than him. You would have a hard time doing it. Oh, I can do it easy. I can do it easy. Two We'll, we'll two get to that. that I got three I got three that are better and we'll get to it in just we'll get to it. We'll okay. get to it. We'll get to it. All Hang right. on. So I want to I want to let, let's go most talented. Just pure God-given talent. Because I've had this argument with a few people that I used to work with that will remain nameless. They used to always tell me, uh, you know, Peter Forsberg, Paul Correa, these guys have to be considered the greatest Preds of all time. It, it doesn't Even if they played one game, doesn't matter because of who they were as a player. I mean, Peter Forsberg is one of the greatest players of our generation, or at least that generation. Paul Correa is in the same boat. Now, Paul Correa, to me, is a little different because he actually had the single-season franchise record, played two seasons, and, and again, right now, is still, I think, 26th all-time in points. <laughs> yeah. That's all you need to know about Korea and, 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 and the history of the organization. Who is the most talented starting five if you were going to put the starting five together? I want to tell Here's what I might do. I might go Paul Correa, and this is not necessarily like with a centerman here, so just bear with me. I'm taking three forwards here, basically. Paul Correa, Alexander Radiloff, Philip Forsberg, Shea Weber, Roman Yossi. And I'm gonna take I'm gonna take Peter Forsberg out of the equation because it was 17 games. Yeah, I mean, I would I would have a hard time disagreeing with that. I would I de- it's gotta be definitely Paul Correa and Philip Forsberg. And then I would think it would either be Victor Arvidsson or Alex Radulov. It would be one of those one of those Vi- two because Victor Arvidsson is not more talented than Alexander Radulov. Uh, I don't know. I, so, I, size is a part of talent. True, but Alex. Okay, so and again, this is the this goes back to what could have been if he didn't leave for the KHL. But I believe <laughs> that if Robert Bortuzzo did not take a year off of Victor Arvidsson's life. I, I do think Victor Arvidsson would not have struggled with injuries as much. And I still think he would be a 30 goal, 60 point player. I think over the longevity of a career, Victor Arvidsson would have been the better forward had all things been equal. How much, what ifs can you do in this though? 
I don't, that's that's part like of sports. If, like, like, but right, but like, if exactly like being injured and that happening as a part of his career, you can't just remove that and and how it affected him. Now so, he's so my line of thinking is still playing Alex well. Alex Radulov gives you attitude issues. Alex Radulov is lazy. Alex Radulov doesn't do the, anything that he doesn't want to do. Victor Arvidsson is the team player. Victor Arvidsson will go out there and do whatever you want. He will shoot from wherever on the ice. How many times have we seen him get up and he's got blood dripping from his face and he goes out there and he makes a play? So that that was that's the reason why I would lean Arvidsson over Radulov, just because if I'm starting a team with all these players, I would I would want Arvidsson over Radulov because Radulov is more of a headache. He, he's more of a selfish player. You you are not wrong. I would start a team with Victor Arvidsson. That is not the same thing as who has more pure ability. Alexander Rat. I could. I think I could argue that Alexander Radulov might be the most talented forward that's ever played for this organization. He might be, but we don't know. Well, Arvidsson is not. He, in my in my opinion, I think Arvidsson is more talented than Radulov. Well, when you say in my opinion, you I can't argue with you at that point because that's just your <laughs> opinion, man. Um, exactly. Who else is it? So Korea, Radulov, Forsberg, who is the most talented center in the history of the organization? Because I think it's probably Ryan Johansson, actually. Yeah, it's got to be Johansson. I mean, Mike Fisher, David Legwan, Jason Arnott, Matthew Shane, like the rest of those guys, like they all do like one thing, like either kind of okay or really good. But Ryan Johansson is the most well-rounded center I think the team has had. And he, he obviously has the best upside as a scorer. Size, speed, skill, hands, uh, passing, shooting, everything, like all of that stuff. I'm not sure there's a center in, in franchise history that's been as good, at, as talented as Johansson. So if I was going to go, if I was going to go with a true lineup, it would be probably Korea, Johansson, Forsberg in terms of pure talent. And, and honestly, Peter Forsberg is probably the most Pure, him and Korea are probably the two most purely talented players to ever wear a Predator sweater. I just, yeah. I, I, I feel like you have to have played at least one season. <laughs> I feel like we have to draw the line somewhere. Yeah, I mean, just based off of of how long they've been here, like I, I figure, I would say at least two seasons, which is why I have no problem including Paul Korea in any of these discussions because he was here for two years. But, I mean, Peter Forsberg, he was here for, what, 17 games? I, th- I think if he had spent more time here, he would definitely have more of a stake in this discussion. Now, well, Peter Forsberg is like, in terms of my childhood, he's up there with, like, Steve Eiserman and, and like, yeah. Yarmir Yager in terms of, like, the greatest players of, like, my, my me growing up watching hockey. Um, I The defenseman thing is interesting because I, I think the only name, the only two names that I might put on the board with Shea Weber and Roman Yossi might also, be before we before we move on to that real quick. I want yeah, to yeah, go ahead. You have been an Ellie Tolvin and Stan all all summer. Would you consider Ellie Tolvin? I know he doesn't have the production, but just from his skill set and his standpoint, would you consider him among one of the most talented with what he can do on the ice? I don't think I've seen enough, but I would say, like, do I think Ellie Tolvin has more God given pure talent than David Legwan? The answer is yes. Well, obviously, but <laughs> would, would you t- would you take Ellie Tolvin like, and over? Over Victor Arvidsson, like skill set. No, 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 no. But like, I wouldn't. I'm. I still. I have Tolvin in like not even in like the Scott Hartnell, Steve Sullivan, um, you know that Martin Erat. Like, I would have him in that category, right? Of like talent, because now I will say, like, if you're talking pure shot, right, we could start talking about that. Forsberg and Korea would probably be at the top of the list in terms of pure shot. Rattleoff is probably on the top of the list too. I, I, Ellie Tolvanen's pure shot is one of the best I've ever seen. 
but I've only seen it for like a month and a half, and that was like two years ago. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, from a defenseman standpoint, here's what's interesting. Tell me what you think. I think it might be Subban and Suter that would be the two I would challenge Shea Weber and Roman Yossi with if I was going to go pure talent. What do you think? That's fair. I would probably put Subban ahead of Suter by like a hair. But yeah, I, I think it's clearly it's it's Weber and Yossi and then everybody else. But I do think Subban and Suter probably would be the next two, if, if not for Yossi and Weber. I mean, again, I don't think Matias Ekholm is as good as Roman Yossi or Shea Weber or even Ryan Suter in his prime, but I do think Matias Ekholm is is a very good defenseman. I do think he's he's overlooked in a lot of, of national media circles. So I would also have him up there, but I would put him probably a peg below Ryan Suter. I I we're gonna get into a big discussion about Matias Ekholm. <laughs> okay. I can already tell. Um all right, so that's that that is the talent side of this. Now the the interesting thing at goaltender is that it does not matter how you define this <laughs> argument, how you slice this argument, how you what angle you want to come at this from, production, belovedness, success as a team player, time spent, t- pure god-given talent, there is no discussion about Pecorine full like it doesn't even every other goaltender and I bet you all of them would agree with this that there's no discussion here. Pecorine is your starting goaltender. Yeah. On the start, on the starting six lineup for the Nashville Predators all time, greatest players. Pecorini is the goaltender. Thomas Vokum is number two, and I'm not sure there's even a conversation to be had like e- on either one of those two spots. In you your, can in- probably add Tom Thomas Vokum and UC Saros stats together, and they still wouldn't surpass Pecorini. So it's there is no discussion. It's Rene. Period. I might go Saros number two actually. <laughs> Well, I think I think he he give him two more years and he will definitely be the unquestioned yeah. number two. But Bokun was here for a little bit longer and he was really good for for you know yeah. a four or five year window. So I would I'd give him the edge slightly, but I, I could see Saros being number two in a year or two. All right, before we get to our greatest starting lineup of all time, and then we're gonna get to our favorite players of all time in our starting five. Uh this is where we remind you that the gold standard is brought to you by the wonderful and amazing folks at Jaspers. Now what is your favorite bar game? Since you have not been over there, I've got all these different bar games they can play. I've already laid out the menu for you. When you are at a sports bar watching a game, you're watching the Titans, you're watching the Preds, what, what is the, the number one game you want to be playing? I mean, it's got to be air hockey. Uh, maybe that's just me. I, I think air hockey is number one in my book, and then number two is probably the, the ring toss game. Ring toss? What? Where you have the little rings that are on a string and you try to get it on the hook. Oh, you, oh, so, okay. So like you've got the wooden thing in the middle that shoots up and you're just trying to like drop the, the, the string, kind of catch it on the hook. Yeah. So it's and like, there's a, there's a golden a little, ring on it, the little yeah. wooden plank, and then you have the silver yeah. hook on a string and then you try to, to yeah. swing it towards the, towards the thing and get it on the hook. I, I've played that. It, I, that that's maddening. There's, there's are you, an are you good at it. I'm very good at it, which is why I like <laughs> There's there's an art to it, and it involves arcing the arcing, oh. taking the string and arcing it so it lays it lands oh, on the hook. Okay, all right. Remind me never to play you in a <laughs> game of whatever that's. What's it called? What is that called? I have no idea. It's just it's one of those things you start playing it because it's stupid, and then you just your yeah. hour goes by and you're hooked on it. You're like, why am I? Doing? You're literally hooked on it. Uh, I'm I'm trying to get. Well, okay, well, we'll talk to ja- we'll, we know some folks at Jasper, so we'll talk to them. Got that? I'm a shuffleboard guy. Give me the shuffleboard. I want shuffleboard all day. Taught my five-year-old how to do it. She's amazing. She's already better than me. Give me the shuffleboard. I do. I did love. Here's the thing. 
I love skee ball, and they've got a skee ball at Jasper, so go go to Jasper. Ball's a good one too. I but I skee ball is different at forty years old than it was at five or seven or eight. It's just yeah. like Papa Shot feels the same. Air hockey feels the same, if not more intense and even better. And Jasper's has the best air hockey table in town. But the skee ball, I was playing it the other day, and I'm like, it was my favorite game as a kid at the arcade, like full stop. But I just did not. It doesn't translate as much to the 40 year old. <laughs> yeah, no, I see that. So go to Jasper's, I everybody. I think something that helps me with with skee ball is I'm ambidextrous. So if if I'm not feeling it right handed, I just switch to the left hand, and I usually have better okay. results. Right. Well, I'm amphibious. It's fine. Uh, who was the favorite? There was some, some famous basketball player from the eighties that said that. Uh, so go to Jasper's everybody. The parking is free. The menu is fantastic. It's a great place to watch the game and order yourself a gold standard cocktail, which is named after this podcast and play all of the games we just talked about. We will come up with a name for the ring toss game, and then we'll see if we can get Jasper's to adopt one of those for their game room. They've got space in there, tons of space in there. Uh, it's a great place. Okay. Starting five greatest Nashville predators of all time and then we're going to work our way down and i think we have i think we have one major debate to have here so you want to go ahead and give me yours and i will tell you where i disagree so are we doing this two 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 forwards and a center or just three three forwards and two defensemen let's do th- we've all got it here as um two forwards and a center two defensemen so let's let's stay true to the game let's stay true to the game and, and, you know, this is not the Titans where they're lining up with like two tight ends and five running backs and seven defensive linemen and two kickers. OK, well, let's just let's just stick with the starting lineup. Who is the greatest starting five in Predators history? I would go Philip Forsberg, Ryan Johansson, Victor Arvidsson, Roman Yossi, Shea Weber, Pecorino. So Jofa, the same line, yes. the guys that played together. Yes. Which I don't think we should use that name anymore, or just ever. I mean, like I don't. Well, think- just just uh, we we know me and my stats. Just to throw it out there, they are on average the highest scoring line that this franchise has ever had. They averaged 0.82 goals per game, 6.3 scoring chances per game, and 2.5 high danger scoring chances per game. That statistically is better than any other line that they have thrown out there. The, uh, caveat to that: that has played more than 100 games together. Okay. Okay. There you go. So here's. I was so torn on this, but I could also I could also understand putting Radulov swapping Radulov out with Arvidsson. So, if that's so, where you're going, I, I don't have too much of an argument, but I'll I'll argue if you want to. I'm not going there. I am taking okay. Arvidsson off the top line. Okay, but I'm going with Paul Correa because I think Paul Correa did enough. When you are the single season point holder for the better part of more than a, more than a decade, I, I think. When you are the single season record holder, and again, I think still number like I don't think Duchesne passed him, right? Um, I think tied tied him maybe or one spot behind him or Forsberg or whatever. I I just think because based on if you're what it, points single yeah points in a season eighty five right. So I no Duchesne Duchesne passed him. He had eighty six. Okay, that that that's maybe what I thought. But for over a decade, he was the highest single scoring player in franchise history. And points total to me is like that's a special number. I mean, and that's he like did that in his first year with the Predators, too. That's like rushing yards, you know, like that's a big deal. Getting to 2,000 yards or whatever for Derrick Henry, like I think that's a big deal when it comes to greatness. And we've already talked about he would be clearly one of, if not the most talented player in franchise history on offense at at, at, at forward. Yeah. I, I I would have Korea on there with Philip Forsberg. Now, I here's my, my problem. 
Mike Fisher was the captain. He played eight seasons, which is one more than Ryan Johansson. He is not as productive as Ryan Johansson. He is not as talented as Ryan Johansson. But do I think that maybe Mike Fisher was a greater center than Ryan Johansson? Do you have a problem if I had Fisher above Ryan Johansson? Kind of. (laughs) (laughs) It goes back to the David Leguan thing. Like, I I, I don't know. I, I understand your reasoning, but I have a hard time. I would have a hard time being convinced that Mike Fisher what is a better center than Ryan Johansson is. I I I think you're right. I think you're right. I think there's a weak case to be made for it, but you would have to like you'd really have to be very persuasive. I I, I can't I can't be that persuasive. I'm I'm good, but I'm not that good at at, at persuasion. I but, I, have... but I understand wanting to I understand wanting to put him above Johansson. And it just feels like Mike Fisher is a part of the fabric, like the history of this franchise. It's it's hard to to want to put someone above him because when you think of, you know, centers, uh, even forwards, like it's it's David Leguan and Mike Fisher, the two that immediately jump out to you. Yeah, I know. I, I okay, so I'm I I settled on Ryan Johansson at center, Philip Forsberg and Paul Correa on the wings. Roman Yossi and Shea Weber and obviously Pecorini. So I, it feels like Yossi, Weber, Rene, there's not really a discussion to be had yeah. with those three, right? Yeah. Okay. So who is that? So let me give you my second line. Okay. My second line would be Mike Fisher, Victor Arvidsson, and I am so torn on this one. I would have rattle off on that second line. But again, I understand like a Martin Erat or a Hartnell or a Sullivan or somebody like that because of the production value. Like again, Steve Sullivan, 11th all time in points. I mean, hell, Scott Walker was 13th all time in points. Craig Smith, 7th all time in points. Martin Erat, 3rd all time in points. It's hard to argue with that. Uh, So it's probably Mike Fisher, Victor Arvidsson, Martin Erat is probably my three. Here's where you're going to disagree with me. I've got Ryan Suter and Kimo teaming in as my my number two pair of defensemen. Okay. Debate. I have Suter and Timonen in as my third pairing, and I have Ekholm and Ellis as my second pairing, and that's largely based off of the year before P.K. Subban got here. I just felt like Ekholm and Ellis played really well together. They were the Preds by far the Preds' strongest defensive pairing that season. I think that – I think it was – Obviously, you can't argue with the results. They got to the Stanley Cup final. They won the President's Trophy. Like They had two really good seasons with Ekholm and Subban, but I just felt like Ekholm and Ellis were far were far better option, and playing Subban with Yossi would have made them stronger defensively. But but yeah, so, I, 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 no arguments here. I think Suter and Timonen could easily be the number two. I, I You might have even just convinced me to move them up and move Ellis T- next down. Timonen was a captain, had 31 more points than Ryan Ellis in two fewer seasons, way more points than, than Ekholm. Yeah. Uh, Ryan Ellis has one very glaring positive with Ekholm. They're both the only two players in with a plus minus over a hundred. They're the, they're one and two all time in franchise history. Ryan Suter played only seven seasons and had as many points as Ekholm in eleven seasons. I don't think it's even close. I think Suter and Timonen were greater. Were just greater overall players. Now here's the problem: team success was greater with Ekholm and Ellis, and people don't like Ryan Suter because of the, they think he wronged them in some stupid way. Like I think. He took a big contract, and I think that affects the way people view him, and I don't think that's fair to his talent, his skill. If that dude had played just five more seasons and finished out that next contract as a predator, 
I don't. I, I think we're talking about Ryan Suter as pressing Shea Weber or Roman Yossi for the tops, one of the top defense pairmen. Yeah, I mean, you're not wrong. I think fans let their anger of feeling rejected by Ryan Suter cloud their judgment of how great he was when he was there. <laughs> I mean, there were points where where the the Suter Weber pairing was was Nashville's top pairing, and that we they, like they were having debates of who was uh, who was better. There were points there were right. people that were thinking right. Ryan Suter was better than Shea Weber at, at a period of time. So. I, I think you're right. I, I I think the reason why I probably subliminally put Echo Manelis there was because of that team success. They, they the most successful seasons in this franchise came when Echo Ellis were either paired together or they were part of the top two pairings, which is why I think I probably put them there. But I, I have no no complaints about putting Suter and Teeman in second um, and Echo Manelis third, if if that's where you would want to. I don't know if you have Echo Manelis as your third pair. I, I have Echo Manelis as my third defense okay. pairing. Um, so here's and what we I got. Think, I think that's part of it too with Eckelman Ellis. I know there's a lot of people out there that like will bitch and complain about plus minus rating. I think plus minus rating is an underused tool. And I, and I think the fact that, I mean, Beauclair, who famously used to say like plus minus doesn't really matter unless it's really good or really bad. The fact that they're both plus a hundred for their career is yeah. really, really good. You'll be, you'll be hard pressed to find other defensemen that can match that. Well, and I, and to Ellis's point and credit, it's also for different reasons, right? Like Ellis has scored so many power play goals in particular, so many goals yeah. that that's a part of what elevated his plus minus. When he came back from injury after the cup run, when he was out for a big chunk of time, and he probably would have been named the captain if he had not been injured, that that he was like plus 26 in like half a season. It was insane. Yeah. And his plus 114 is a franchise record. And it's, I, I think, to, I think Beauclair's right on this. Like if we're talking about numbers that are all kind of about the same in the middle, that's fine. But when you're plus 114 and only one other dude in franchise history is over 100, yeah, I, I just think that is of tremendous value. Now, is it the reason? No. He was injured. He's a little undersized. Unbelievable shot from the point. Maybe as good as Shea Weber's. He played but, more on the power play than he did any other right. five-on-five, five, shorthanded, stuff like that. So Right. So I, th- there's reasons for it. but that, that So here's where we are. Uh, we, we will go with, how about we'll combine our, our, our list here. We'll go Ryan Johansson, Philip Forsberg, Paul Correa, Roman Yossi, Shea Weber, Pecorini. That's the starting lineup. Okay. Second line, we're going to go Mike Fisher, Martin Erat. Cause I don't love the Martin Erat pick on the second line, but I know why you've done it. Third and points, longstanding member of the team, bunch of playoff games, some big moments. And Victor Arvidsson, I think we both clearly then agree. He can't go to the third line. He's on the second line. Yeah. Are you okay with Suter and Tiemann being the second line defense pairing? Did I convince yeah. you? Yes, definitely. All right, Suter and Tiemann. Suter and Tiemann in on the second line. All right, we'll get to the third and fourth lines and our favorite players and our favorite starting lineup in just a second because the Gold Standard is also brought to you by Weiss Liquors. That's right, buy local, of course. If you're going to buy some booze, let Weiss Liquors do the driving so you can do the drinking. Go to Uber Eats, search Weiss Liquors. They will send you booze right to your house. I'm not sure about the office or like your in-laws or anywhere else. I'm assuming you could send it to a tailgate. So if you're going to be at a Titans game in the coming weeks, I'm assuming you could just Uber it to the Titans game, right? I mean, if, if they can get through all the traffic, I suppose you could do that. So Uber Eats, search Weiss Liquors, have it delivered right to your house in, in as little as 20 minutes. If you pop in the store, which is right there near the Titans stadium, actually, make sure you stock up on all your tailgates. Go in there, say 440 at the at the checkout counter, and they will give you a 10% discount. That is cash-free booze. So not only are they sending it right to your house, they're also going to give you cash-free booze. And in the process, you'll be supporting a local business, a local company. So go to Weiss Liquors, of course, independently and 
family operated in the neighborhood here in Nashville since 1932. 1932. That is before World War II, folks. I just want to point that out, that they've been selling Nashville booze since before World War II. I just want to say that. All right. Third line, all time, before we get to our favorites and our, and our personal favorites, which I want you guys to chime in on, shoot us on, on Twitter, reviews, wherever you want to post it. Just send us your favorite starting five of all time. Doesn't have to be any rhyme or reason to who you pick. We'll get to that in just a second. But third line, here's what I got. I got Jason Arnott as the center. I got Alexander Rattleoff, and I've got J.P. Dumont as my third line for the Nashville Predators. What do you think? Yeah, I, I had two of the three. I had J.P. Dumont and Rattleoff on that third line, but I had David Legwan as the center. Ah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, it's it's. I think I think my mind went to this when we we're doing it. I clearly think that Jason Arnott is the better player over David Legwan. Okay. Okay. Good. 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 Then I'm happy. But. Having having David Leguan, who was the first ever pick for this franchise, the number two overall pick, who holds all the records, it just seems bad to have that kind of a <laughs> decorated player in the in the franchise as your fourth line center. So I, I think it was just my mind was just like you can't put you can't put Leguan in the fourth line. But I, I have no problem doing that. But I understand why you feel that way. I, I agree though. I do think Jason Arnott is a better center. And if you look at, I mean, granted he was, he was in Nashville for what, four or five seasons, four seasons. Yeah. Yeah. He had 27 goals, 28 goals, 33 goals, 19 goals. He had, he had a 72 point season, almost a 60 point season. I do think he's the better player offensively. Yeah. Yeah. He is top 20 in the, in predators history and scoring in 20 seasons. Yeah. That's it. Took him 20 seasons to do it. Uh, He is ninth all time or sorry. took him uh, four seasons to do it. He, did I say 20 seasons? Yeah. That's a lot of hockey. Uh, no, 20th all-time in four seasons. He is ninth all-time still in scoring in just four years. There's nobody... like you got to go down to J.P. Dumont, which is another guy we've got on this line, who is 17th in scoring in just five years. No one, Everyone else played at least seven, eight, six seasons, eight seasons. Everyone else in the top 10 played at least seven seasons, which obviously is also a hat tip to Victor Arvidsson, who scored 127 goals in seven years. JP, Jason Arnott scored 107 goals in four seasons, and he was the captain. Like, and he was the captain. I think he has to be over leg one, but that's just my opinion. That's just my opinion. I mean, I, I'm not I, – I don't disagree with anything you just said, but it, it's just hard. I think it's just because leg one played for 15 years here, 210 goals, 566 points. Like, it's, it's hard to just – I don't want to say ignore that, but you look at leg one's best season – Gosh, it was what 2006, 2007. He had 27 goals and 63 points. That's his best season, and that's like Arnott's third best season. So, where, I, where, I, I, yeah, I exactly moving him up. Yeah, where was so Craig Smith is the interesting one here. So I've got Rattle off on there based more on talent, like just pure upside and talent. And you know, again, he only scored 47 goals. He only played three years. He had 100 points. Uh, that's just almost pure talent that I'm I'm kind of giving him the nod. I just think I, I Craig Smith is a hard one for me. Fifth all time in goals, seventh all time in points. He's one of the, I mean, he's, he was on the teams that meant the most to this team. One of the fastest players to play. Uh, I mean, 20 goal seasons all the time, but like never was never felt like one of the best players on the team. And that's my problem. I know he played on some of the best Preds teams, but, and I've got, I've got Craig Smith on my fourth line here, but like, I don't even feel, I don't even know if he belongs on that line. But also, how do you take away the production? Yeah, no, I agree. I would my fourth line. I have Craig Smith, 
Jason Arnott as the center and Patrick Hornquist as the other winger. And I think it's, I think the thing that bothers me about Craig Smith was he could, I feel like he could have been better had Nashville, like David Poyle, for whatever reason, loves drafting centers and moving them to the wing. I think the fact that Craig Smith was playing out of his natural position, whereas Matthew Shane, it benefited him. Craig Smith, I think, hindered him. But you do look, he had what, one, two, three, four. He had five 20 goal seasons while he was here. He had had two 50 point seasons. I think the thing that bothers me about Craig Smith is I expected him to be more productive than he was. But nine years, 162 goals, 330 points, it's, it's hard to argue. And you look at that too. I mean, he was playing on the second line and he wasn't playing with very good players. He was playing with, you know, Kyle Turris and Mike Ribeiro and players like that. That almost kind of maybe helps his case a little bit. The fact that he wasn't playing with Matt Duchesne and Ryan Johansson, he was playing with the Mike Ribeiro's of the world. I think that kind of, he could have been better if he had more talent around him. It's I agree with that. It's almost like there are three categories of player here. Yeah. Which, which is you've got like the, the, the longevity, like stat collectors, David Leguan, Martin Erat, Craig Smith, right? Yeah. Then you've got these short-term, like extraordinarily talented players, which is Korea and Rattleoff and even Peter Forsberg to some degree. Then we've got the players that we sort of view as the best, which is the little bit of both, which of course is Shea Weber and Roman Yossi and um, you know, Pekka Rene, Philip Forsberg. I, I do think Johansson and Arvidsson are in that conversation. It's like I like Scott Hartnell is a tough one for me. Like I debate, my debate was. Steve Sullivan, Patrick Cornquist, Craig Smith, and Scott Hartnell. Those are the four. I cannot decide who plays on the fourth line. We, I got to put David Leguan on there just because I can't not have him in as in the top twelve. But like, if Legs is the center, I just did. I just did a thing. I hate the nickname. If Leguan is the center, <laughs> I I want to go Scott Hartnell and Craig Smith, uh, but. But I, but I could be talked into Hornquist. I could be talked into Sullivan. I, I don't know. Is there anybody else in that conversation? Is it just those four for two spots? No, I think that pretty much that sums it up. Craig, I, I have Craig Smith, Jason Arnott, Patrick Hornquist. I could easily take Craig Smith out, put Steve Sullivan in there. Um, I, I, feel, I almost feel like Patrick Hornquist has to be in there, though, just because he had, what, he had a 30-goal, 51-point season in his first full season with the team. And that was really when they – I feel like Patrick Hornquist was the awakening this team needed to be like, oh, if you put someone in front of the goal and they just stand there, they could be a 30-goal scorer because that that's that's a facet of the game that we haven't had yet. So I think he kind of – I'm not crediting Patrick Hornquist for shifting the offensive philosophy of the Predators, but I do think right. him having that season kind of opened their eyes to something that they traditionally hadn't been doing before. He also I, had a 27-goal season after that, um, a 22-goal season, 21-goal season. So I think – I think I would Ooh. give him the bump over Steve Sullivan just because I feel like he he's a different type of player. Whereas Craig Smith, Sullivan, um, and who, who was the other guy you had? Well, Scott Hartnell has more goals than Hornquist and Sullivan. And, That's and true, so, but I, but I feel Scott like Scott Hartnell is a top ten, and he was like a he was like a homegrown guy that came up at like eighteen years old and then came back later on. Right? I think I have the same problem with Scott, Scott Hartnell as you have with David Leguan, where the numbers are there, but I just not impressed by him. Yeah, you know, I guess that's. I guess that's fair. I could be convinced that it's Hornquist. Tutu is going to be on a lot of people's like favorites list. Yeah. But I just never loved the guy. I just never thought he was that. I mean, I, okay. He flew around and hit some people. Like I just never, like I, the guys like that for me are like Colton Sissons and Callie Yarncroke. Like those are the kind of guys that I just really enjoyed watching. Like, like James Neal is another guy. If you want to talk pure talent and scoring ability, only played three years, 77 goals in three years. 
if you want to talk pure skill and talent, he's probably in there. Greg Johnson was, you know, he didn't score a lot. He played seven seasons, but was a captain for a long time. You mentioned Colin yeah. Wilson already. So, like, I don't, I, I think it does come down to Hartnell, Hornquist, Sullivan, and Smith. And it's like, I think I would lean Smith and Hornquist. I think, I think that would be my lean. Yeah. And I, and I think for traditional Preds fans, because most of these, most of the fans now kind of came about a little bit before, right around the Stanley Cup run. I think they would probably lean Smith and Hornquist because they're fresher in their minds of who yeah. they remember playing. But I, I, it's it's tough and it's it's splitting hairs because I feel like Craig Smith and Steve Sullivan are very similar players. I feel like Patrick Hornquist is, fits more in line of the the physical guy that can score. Um, so yeah, yeah, I mean yeah. It, it's tough. But I I had Smith and, and Hornquist, so I, I if we went with that, I'd be fine. All with right, that I'll, I I can be on board with that. It how much credit do we give um, Hornquist? And um, how much credit does Martin Erat get for bringing us Philip Forsberg? You, you I mean, give him any, mean, cre- I, give him any credit him for that? Yeah, no, you got to give him a lot of it. If Martin Erat doesn't get butthurt and march into David Poyle's office and demand a trade, that doesn't happen. Philip Forsberg doesn't come here. And who knows what the trajectory of this franchise looks like after that. So at the time, everyone hated Martin Erat because they're like, you're, you're being a little baby about this and stuff like that. But if he doesn't, if he doesn't get his throw his temper tantrum, Philip Forsberg is probably doing everything he's doing now, but for the Washington Capitals for like the next decade. So, so does that doesn't that kind of hurt him as well though? Like in terms of the how great are you if you don't want to be here conversation? Yeah, but he did that when he was like thirty five, not when he was like twenty four. Yeah, that's so true. He did it at and the then, end of his career. And Hornquist brought James Neal, so we have not even mentioned. Oh, oh, here's the other one. We should. We I, I can't believe it's taken us this long to mention this. From a pure talent standpoint, I think I could put Seth Jones on the top defense pairing. And and, and like didn't play here long enough, not a part of this conversation. But pure talent, yeah, I think he's up there. And he brought you Ryan Johansson. If you if if we're gonna start doing that thing, and we're gonna start, <laughs> hey, what what did you bring us in return? For, for that alone, yes, I think you could put him up there. But I, I have a hard time putting Seth Jones from a talent perspective above. Oh, Yossi and Weber, uh, man, that dude, I feel like Yossi's offensive skill set coupled with what he can do with, with running a defensive pairing. And then obviously just everything Shea Weber did, he can score, he can be physical, he can hit. Like, I just, I just don't think it's awfully close. I'll give you Sam's, that, but I just don't think Seth Jones is, is better than both. All right. All right. From, Sam from Gerard, Sam Gerard and Kevin Fiala. Don't, don't pure, even get me started on Sam your talent, your oh. talent standpoint. Um, no, man, I, I will never let the Sam Gerard thing go because the, when that trade happened, uh, I was tweeting right, about it and I was right. like, Craig Smith 2.0 is what they just gave this guy up for. And everyone rose to me telling me I was wrong. And I was like, ah, I'm going to save these receipts. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there you go. Um, uh, goal. So, so 12 players have scored a hundred goals. Uh, that should, that should change this year because Ryan Johansson's only two goals away from getting to a hundred. And again, one more season. It's almost like if Johansson puts up one more 50 or 60 point season, like it's kind of almost eight years as the center here, like taking to the cup president's trophy from a pure talent standpoint. It is weird to think that Ryan Johansson is the greatest center of all time. And he's the guy we were trying to trade in the expansion draft last year. Like it just feels yeah. weird to say that. I but- think the reason back to your, to your point with Fisher, I think the reason why Mike Fisher has the reputation he does is because he felt like the glue that held everything together. He was never going to go out and get you 30 right. goals, but without him, your team was noticeably weaker than it was with him. All right, so our starting greatest Predators roster of all time is Ryan Johansson, Philip Forsberg, Paul Correa. Top line, okay? Yes. We've got Mike Fisher, Martin Erat, Victor Arvidsson, second line. 
Okay. Are you you're gonna make me put leg one on the third line? No, I I, I think if, yeah. if Jason Arnott was a better player, right? Yes, I think we can sub leg one and Arnott and switch their lines. So Arnott, Dumont, and Rattleoff on the third line. Yes. Okay. And then you convince me to go Hornquist, Smith, and then obviously we got to put leg one on there. So leg one at center with Hornquist and Smith at the wings. What's uh, ironic got, about that is at one point in time, Smith, leg one, and Hornquist would have been this team's top line. Yeah. Yes. Uh, before all the rules got changed. Um, <laughs> Roman Yossi, Shea Weber, top defense pairing. Yes. I've got Suter, Tiemann, and then Ekholm, Ellis. I'm okay if you disagree with that, but I, I, I would go Suter, Tiemann. No, I think that's right. fair. Suter teaming in Ekholm Ellis. That's our pairing. And then Pekka. I might go Saros, but you Vokum is fair to put in there right now. So that's our starting. That's that's our that's the 20 man roster right there, buddy. There it is. Considering this franchise is only about what 25 years old, I think that's that's a pretty solid all-time lineup for you know, given the players that have come through here. And, and okay. Peter Forsberg 17 games and and Korea two years. Like there's there's a lot of tap like this this. I don't know. This could no, have been no Matt Duchesne. No Matt Duchesne. How, 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 if Matt Duchesne has another 40 goal season, is he knocking Hornquist and Smith? Like, I think Duchesne, you could argue Duchesne belongs on the fourth line. Yeah, I'd buy that. I mean, you would have back to back 40 goal seasons if, if that were true. And I mean, no one else has done that. So, I mean, that's got to have some place in here. Uh, by the way, Mikhail Granlin also uh, is. is top 30 in assists Duchesne top 30 in assists um looking at the point totals right now you got to go so so James Neal was 29th Matt Duchesne's 27th tied with Paul Correa basically to Paul Correa 26th um I'm trying to find Granlin here all time um where's Granlin at if Granlin hasn't has another one years like he did last year I could see taking Leguan out and putting Granlin in there I think it will be quickly. It will be Leguan and Smith and Hornquist. Those three will be removed, and it would be Mikhail Granlund and Matt Duchesne. And then I don't know who else, but somebody else is going to take that spot. Probably Tanner Janot. Yeah, I mean, honestly, if Tanner Janot has two more years of of his one season, he could be working his way up there. Well, and just from a fan favorite standpoint, like everybody loves the guy, which they should. So he's yeah. got that he's got that Fisher thing going for him as well, you know. Like, uh, all right, give me your give me your just pure take your take your reporter hat off. Like, let's let's take the reporter hats off and just be sort of pure unadulterated fanboys here. Your favorite starting Preds lineup, and you don't get to pick anybody but but Pecorine at goal. So I'm I'm Pecorine, you're Pecorine. Who are yeah. your starting players? Are we doing just five? Or are we doing three forwards? Just, two? just five, just five, or three three forwards, two defensemen. Uh, okay. Defenseman. I would probably go Shea Weber and PK Subban just because Ooh, they're the most fun okay. to watch. Okay. Talent wise, I would put Yossi up there, but, but I, Subban was just so much fun to watch forwards. I would definitely go Philip Forsberg. Um, gosh, this one's tough. I would go Philip Forsberg. This is, this will surprise some people. Kevin Fiala. What? He was, he was a lot of fun to watch. What? If he if he could have God if he could have had the season he had last year here, um, but yeah, Forsberg, Fiala, and then that's insane. Gosh, I don't know. I would I'd probably go either Arvidsson or Radulov. Just uh, well, Radulov's up there too for me. Like, but like again, I, I hate the guy. Um, as yeah. a fan, if I'm taking my, my my my, I don't know how you don't have Victor Arvidsson on your list. 
like just from a pure joy standpoint, like the number of kids that fell in love with hockey because of Victor Arvidsson. I don't know how he's not one of the most, if not number one all time, any position favorite player that's ever played for the Predators. I mean, I'll give you that. He was a lot of fun to watch. He was highly entertaining, and there it was. It was great watching him skate from one end of the ice and to the other in like three seconds. And he did a lot of things that that no one else did. And I think he really kind of brought a lot of fans, casual fans, and made them you know fans of this team. But I, I don't know. I just I enjoyed watching Arvidsson. But when I think of all the players that played for this franchise, I don't. Yeah. He doesn't immediately jump to the forefront of my mind of oh, he was really fun. So I Mike Fisher. It might be Mike Fisher, Philip Forsberg, Victor Arvidsson. Now, here's this is where my weird hockey brain takes over as just a weird fan of things that are like counterculture. Like, I love Ryan Suter and Ryan Ellis. Like, those are two of my... Like, I, I'm with you on Subban. And I'd probably go Subban and Yossi if I had to pick because I just... You can't not watch Roman Yossi. So I think I would put Yossi and Subban. I know what not putting Shea Weber on there is just so stupid but like i get it um i would probably do suban and 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 yossi but i loved arvidson i think fisher was just a guy that you know now maybe this is here's here's some bias for you first first time i ever went into a preds locker room covering the team in 2016 mike fisher was i think about to have his child and i had just had my child and we like were giving each other advice on how to become parents and that is just something that's stuck with me <laughs> for all yeah. this time. That's and fair. like, that's not fair because not everybody's get gets to do that, you know. But the fact that he sort of was the guy that everyone believed he was, like, I know he's gone a little off the deep end <laughs> here lately, but I, I think he's as beloved. He was the genuinely good dude. He was genuinely good to people. He was the hardest hitting guy, maybe on the team ever, uh, outside of Shea Weber, and and just like just from a pure fun standpoint, I love watching Colton Sissons. I, I, I love watching Tanner Janot. I know that is sort of strange, but like, give me that hat trick in game six, baby. Give me that hat trick. Yeah. No arguments here. If we're, if we're going most fun based off of locker room stories, then Ryan, Ryan Ellis, Ryan Johansson's definitely up there. <laughs> Ryan Ellis has some in there too, but they're usually not for the good reason. No, I know. I know. I was kidding. Like Ryan, Ryan Johansson, like, he is Tough hilarious. He is. He's so Adam has tons of stories. I mean, yeah. Ryan Johansson was cutting up with everybody. And when he's in a good mood, those are the most enjoyable times to go into the locker room and interview players. So no, but my Ryan Johansson, my favorite radio shows I've ever done were with Ryan Johansson. Probably number one, Ryan Johansson. It was him and Colton Sissons, and they did a great show together. Um, we did a Smashville live show. Who, one of my favorite shows that I've ever done, uh, Ryan Hartman, fascinating dude, and and went on to you know fulfill his first round potential for 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 Minnesota. Um, worst ever, you're gonna like this because it ties into you. Worst ever radio show I've ever done with a Preds player was Kevin Fiala. I, I could see that. Not even close. Like this is how bad it was. This is how bad it was, Michael. Victor Arvidsson was laughing at me with me at Kevin Fiala's answers. They were so bad. <laughs> that, that seems about par for the course. It's look, it's easy to hate on Kevin Fiala. I have had my fair share. I've joined in plenty of times hating on him, but from, from the, the fun to watch standpoint, he is a lot know, of fun to watch. He's very creative, but I mean, and I'm guy, not talking about, I'm not talking about like hating on him as a player or a person. I'm just saying as a media radio person, 
Yeah. Like a fan would ask him a question and he would be like, yeah. No, he, he definitely needed, he could have benefited from media training. He could have benefited yeah, from like, yeah. I don't know if personality courses are a thing. Yeah. But <laughs> he, he definitely needed some help. So. Yeah. All right. So tweet us uh, at MG sports underscore at Braden Gall at 440 sports. Uh, it'll be all over the post in the scene as well. Um, tweet us your favorite, your starting five. There's, it doesn't matter. You can tell me that you love Ryan Suter. It's okay, folks, to admit that you liked Ryan Suter. I loved Ryan Suter. I, I still do think he's one of my favorite players to watch in a Predator sweater. Like I, I'm okay. VC fans out there, it's okay. Done. Too. No Jimmy VC fans. <laughs> also, very talented though. I mean, very talented at the time. So tweet us your your starting five and, and your favorite players of all time. We'll take a look at those. Maybe we'll read some of them on the show next week. Make sure you stop by Jasper's anytime you want to watch a game. They deliver food to your tailgate as well. So check them out. Go to Weiss Liquors as well. Shop for all your liquor there. Ten percent off if you say four forty. Make sure you read the scene. Make sure you read the post. Michael, where can everybody find you? Find me on the Nashville Post, on the Nashville Scene, on Twitter at MGSports underscore. You can follow me at Braden Gall. Thank you guys for hanging out. Share the show. Tell everybody about it. We really, really appreciate it. Thank you guys for listening. This has been the Gold Standard here on the 440 Sports Network.